Hello everyone, it's Monique and Landon. I'm a nurse practitioner in the emergency department in an urban hospital in Vancouver, British Columbia. And I'm a lowly emergency nurse. Oh, don't you dare say lowly. Who takes orders from Monique <laughs> in our emergency department. Yeah, he doesn't take orders at all. And I'm a critical care transport nurse. That's right. So No we... other emergency nurse is lowly, just me. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, so we, we often tell you that we get our ideas from podcasts, really from our own experiences and, and whatnot and conversations we're having. And so I was speaking to one of our lovely emergency physicians, Dr. Anthony, shout out to Dr. Anthony. And he was telling me he was doing a locum in an emergency department in Chicago, where his son is the director of emergency. Um, Chicago. Chicago. And they had seen several patients with unexplained coagulopathy, which turned out to be associated with synthetic uh, cannabinoid use. So in fact, in March 2018, the Illinois Department of Public Health reported cases of unexplained bleeding among patients who reported using synthetic cannabinoids. And subsequent testing of drug and biological samples from case patients detected the presence of uh, brodifacium a long-acting vitamin K-dependent antagonist that is used in rat poison. I'm sure I said that wrong, did I? Probably. Yeah, brodificum. Brodificum. I don't know. It's Latin, isn't it? So the CDC is currently no, coordinating. It's not. Isn't it? It's, it just looks, a, it's just a big, it long word. It looks Latin. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, the CDC is currently coordinating national surveillance activities for possible cases of vitamin K-dependent antagonist coagulopathy associated with synthetic cannabinoid use. The index case was identified in Illinois on March the 3rd. State health departments have reported 202 cases, including five deaths. More than 95 of the case patient biological samples have been tested positive for this brodifacium. And the current working hypothesis is that brodifacium was mixed with synthetic cannabinoids products. Do you know I'll keep you're, saying you're, it? You're totally going to have... It's going to be like You're going to have times. that word in the whole podcast. I know. And they'll never have to say it once. I know. I, so I'll and still I look said like it, the smart one. I hope one. I've actually said it four times the same way instead of pronouncing it differently You're saying time. it different every time, but it's okay because okay, then one of them will be right. Hopefully. So synthetic cannabinoids, that's a word I always struggle with as well. I know, cannabinoids. Cannabinoids. Yeah. Were originally used for, see, I'm going to get all the cannabinoid word and you're going to get the brodificum. Facoim. Facoim. We should just spell it out. Maybe. No, maybe not. You can Google it. It'll force them to go to the internet and use the Google net. I know. All right. So synthetic cannabinoids were originally used for research focusing on tetrahydrocannabinol. Very good. Yes. See, the organic chemistry words, I can say. (laughs) They were used in part because it was illegal to buy natural cannabinoids. Not here in Canada as of... Well, soon. Soon. October October. 17th. Yes. There we go. In Canada, totally legal. It's not because I'm celebrating that day. I hate the smell. It just happens to be my father's birthday. That's why I remember (laughs) it. So synthetics are cannabinoids are not one drug. Hundreds of different synthetic chemicals are manufactured and sold. These chemicals are called cannabinoids because they act on the same brain cell receptor as THC, the main active ingredient in marijuana. Right. However, synthetic cannabinoids may affect the brain in different and unpredictable ways when compared to natural THC. Okay. 
Synthetic cannabinoids are used in a variety of ways, including some sprayed onto plant material and then smoked, used in electronic nicotine delivery devices such as e-cigarettes, or ingested when added to herbal tea or food. Some early synthetics were used as antiemetics, and mm-hmm. I never said this right. I always said nabalone. Yeah. I think it's nabalone. It is nabalone. I always called it yeah. nabalone, and then someone made fun of me saying that that's a fish. <laughs> uh, Marinol and dronabinol. Yeah. It was also used as an appetite stimulant, particularly for chemotherapy patients. Yeah. In the early 2000s, the synthetics started being used for recreational drug use in an attempt to get similar effects to cannabis. Of course, since synthetics had different molecular structures to THC and other illegal cannabinoids, synthetic cannabinoids were technically legal, or at least not (laughs) illegal, (laughs) to sell or possess. That's a fine definition. Just because it's lack of mention doesn't make something legal, it just makes it not illegal. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, since the discovery of the use of synthetics for recreational use in 2008, some synthetics have been made illegal, but new analogs are continually synthesized to get around those restrictions. And, yeah. and this is not only one drug class. Look, at our, look at our fentanyl analogs Absolutely. right now going crazy. Yeah, exactly. So, synthetics have also been used recreationally because they're inexpensive. They're typically not identified by the standard marijuana drug tests. Yeah, so you don't even know that they have it. Totally. Yeah. And so there may be people in certain jobs or in certain you know if they're being monitored for criminal reasons or whatever yeah who may preferentially use these because they're not detected unlike nabalone yeah nabalone yeah the synthetics found being used for recreational use do not have any documented therapeutic effects these synthetics are widely available you can get them at convenience stores some of them drug dealers online as incense or natural herbal products they're sold under many brand names, but commonly referred to as synthetic marijuana, fake weed, legal weed, K2, spice. And adverse effects can vary and can include neurological, so agitation, confusion, psychiatric, hallucinations, uh, other physical signs and symptoms, so tachypnea, tachycardia, GI distress. So, mm-hmm. so basically, this is a synthetic marijuana, marijuana. Yeah. thing and not regulated right. so who knows what you're getting exactly and in this these cases in illinois and across some of the yeah. u.s we now know what they are getting and exactly. it's rat poison yes exactly because this is a vitamin k dependent antagonist coagulopathy it may be helpful to review the role of vitamin k in the coagulation cascade uh, vitamin k is an essential chemical in the blood clotting process the k of vitamin k was taken from the german word coagulation no it's coagulation Coag- <laughs> no no, it that isn't. Didn't sound no, that didn't at all. Um, <laughs> we should ask um, Angela Merkel. She'd be able to say it, wouldn't she? Well, I would hope she Co- speaks German. Coagulation. She's... I know that's French. Sorry, really bad French. But anyway, <laughs> it was taken from the German word coagulation, the English translation of what of what is coagulation. I don't see. We're saying it the exact same way, except it's st- spelt with a K in German. Without within the clotting cascade, there are four factors: two, seven, nine, and ten that are called vitamin K-dependent clotting factors. They're activated by calcium to promote blood to clot. And the cases of coagulopathy with synthetic cannabinoids were linked to the presence of brodifacium, a long-acting vitamin K-dependent antagonist, which blocks that clotting cascade and therefore increased increasing bleeding now for some of you who want to know more about the clotting cascade i'm we pretty sure we did a podcast on it, on it. but um, there was a mistake in it oh yes so make sure you listen all the way to the end because somebody where the correction, correction. Is. yes please do 
Uh, we I think his name speaking, was Brandon. Yeah, and we spoke a little Lach too fast. Lalam, yes, British which was, Columbia, who which corrected was wonderful. Us. I love when people correct us. So, in its statement, the CDC asked that healthcare providers, particularly those based in Illinois and neighboring states, should maintain a high index of suspicion for vitamin K dependent antagonist coagulopathy in patients presenting with clinical signs of coagulopathy, bleeding unrelated to an injury, or bleeding without another explanation, and with a possible history of synthetic cannabinoid use. Some patients may not divulge using those drugs. Maybe not. Maybe not. But these patients should be screened for vitamin K dependent antagonist coagulopathy by checking the coagulation profile. So INR and PT. Just a reminder that clinical signs include bruising, nosebleeds, bleeding gums, bleeding disproportionate to the injury, vomiting blood, coughing up blood, hematuria or blood in the stool, excessive heavy menstrual bleeding, back or flank pain, altered mental status or feeling faint or dizzy. So basically anyone who doesn't feel well. Well, yeah, but they're also showing that they have bleeding, right? Right. Yeah. And so, and, and you mentioned sort of Illinois, that kind And of it's thing. neighboring states, but yeah. who knows Understand when it's going to come. Understand that Illinois borders up against yeah. Ontario. Ontario, and absolutely. And so easy for that to move in, especially if these are Very much not so. illegal substances. Yeah. Could maybe come across the border yeah. in a completely legally large commercial way. Exactly. And the reality is people travel. Exactly. So, so I think it's always important to know when these kind totally. of little pockets. And this is pockets. a trend, this is a great public health case even. Oh, yeah. A trend that was noticed and now is researched doesn't mean there aren't you know 500 people experiencing the same thing in a province in Canada that just hasn't had that flag put up yet so Absolutely. always be suspicious mm -hmm. don't assign yourself to geography exactly it is a small world now exactly which is why we did all that Ebola training for heaven's sakes totally. right yeah so when we see things world. exactly yeah. things move around that was totally your cue to start singing it's a small world but you didn't <laughs> I gave it to you twice no I'm you not gonna do it up. nope all right, so the CDC's recommendations for clinicians include maintaining a high index of suspicion for vitamin K-dependent antagonist coagulopathy. Can we just call that like VK-DAC? I know. <gasps> VK-DAC. We're coming That's up with it. all kinds of... I know, VK-DAC. VK-DAC. Yeah. In patients with a history or suspicion of using synthetic cannabinoids. You say it better than I do. Oh. I just tried saying it there like you. Very good. Remember, patients may not be upfront about their use of synthetic 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 cannabinoid <laughs> use and you may just need to ask them yeah and i think that's always a I good thing for better. emergency people preface yeah. it with we're not the police yeah we just I need actually to know. don't care yeah i just need you to tell me exactly Two, ask all patients about history of illicit drug use oh funny i just said that yeah uh, all high-risk patients so those reporting synthetic cannabinoid use or those with suspected synthetic use within the last three months regardless of their presentation should be screened for vitamin k dependent antagonist coagulopathy by checking coagulation profile yeah possible cases should be asked if they recently donated plasma or blood right because they we don't know right? right they may have done that clinicians too. clinicians treating possible cases who have recently donated should notify the health department is cdc recommendations yeah. state health department you yeah. can call the fda uh in canada you know just call your public health people. Man, yeah. they're smart. Yes, they Anything are. starts to go wrong, call public health. They manage to sort out a lot of stuff that we don't. 
four proceduralists. So those are you know your surgeons and your um, even dentists and things. Yeah, right? dentists, cardiology, uh, cosmetic surgeons, sorry, yeah. nephrologists, like people putting in lines, that kind of thing, yeah. should be aware that patients with a u history of using synthetic cannabinoid cannabinoids yeah. may be anticoagulated without clinical signs of coagulopathy. Yeah. So they should be screened for yeah. VKDAC yeah. prior to the procedure. I'm sure it's not called that. But. No, but we're going to call it that. And patients sent home from surgeries or other procedures that could result in bleeding should be told to not use synthetics because of the risk that that product may be contaminated with an anticoagulant. Yeah. So the problem is that there are synthetic cannabinoids out there. We don't know which ones actually have been contaminated with this rat poison. So we should probably just have a high index of suspicion, sure. uh, do INR PTTs on anyone who has used synthetic cannabinoids. And I think not just asking people if they use marijuana, because right. in a lot of places it is still illegal, but also saying if you're not using marijuana, are you buying or doing any synthetic type drugs as mm -hmm. well, right? Because I think that's the bigger thing and, that and, the CDC has talked about, right? These and especially if you're, if you're in a place where uh, you know, single single marijuana use yes. could actually result in loss of freedom yes. of certain types, your job, yeah. your civil freedom, whatever. Yeah. We're lucky in this country that that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. But even it's easy way to actually open the conversation is you say, I'm not specifically asking about marijuana. There yeah. are many legal forms of synthetic Absolutely. marijuana and throwing that legal word in there like, oh, so yes. I get it. My what I use is sketchy, but you're telling me it's not illegal. Exactly. It might open the door, which... Is important, isn't it? It is about opening a door. And so. actually, at the very end, I would like to just make a comment that it is important in emergency departments for us to actually be the whistleblower sometimes when we're seeing abnormal presentations of things. Because Absolutely. that's how we keep the community safe. And so when you are seeing things, whether it was... Um, H1N1, or in this case, this kind of weird coagulopathy. Um, and that's how we track these things. That's how we try to mobilize the resources and try to contain uh, the outbreak as best as we can. So it is really important that we are vigilant when we're seeing abnormalities uh, and that we raise those flags and uh, get public aware of what's going on in there so get the information to the right people absolutely yeah. well thank you very much thank you yeah and we will see you next this was month. a this was a short one a quirky yes. one it was a something bit quirky. quirky you might never see it but you might but a yeah. little lighter of a topic than some of the heavier ones we've exactly done recently. but it's kind of interesting yeah. i love interesting well thank you very much and, and we we'll will see, see you. you bye bye for past episodes and to comment on this episode please visit our website at nursum.org. That's N-U-R-S-E-M dot O-R-G. You can follow us on Twitter at NursumCast and also find us on Facebook at Nursum Podcast. We look forward to your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Remember... Before incorporating anything new into your work, ensure you are supported by your own scope of practice, workplace policies, and your own knowledge and comfort. The Nursum Podcast is brought to you by PRN Education. www.prneducation.ca